Good morning. Again. There you go, sir. Like I said, Mark and Susie are in Wichita Falls this morning. Mark called me last night and we were, Meredith and I went to Hugo yesterday. My mom's birthday was Friday. Um, Mark's was too. They had the same birthday. Um, I don't know. I think Mark's 63, somewhere in there. He probably wanted me to tell you that, I'm sure. (laughs) My mom turned 59, so she ain't caught him yet. But we went down yesterday to be with my mom for her birthday, even though it wasn't her birthday. Friday we had school and she had work. And we went and saw my niece. My niece is uh, 14 years old. It's hard for me to believe that she's 14 years old. She's an FFA in Hugo, and she rode on the pivot team Friday night and Saturday night for their FFA rodeo down there. So we went and watched that, but we were driving to the rodeo, and Mark called me, and he said, uh, we're in Wichita Falls. Things are going well. Speaking in the morning, what are you talking about tomorrow? I told him, I said, I'm kind of thinking about doing this, and Susie's in the background. She goes, okay, I'll let you know if he does that too, because that's pretty good. So Mark thinks this is going to be all right. If it's total flop, we'll tell him that it, it was. Uh, <laughs> but he told me he's, he's speaking on Romans 12 there, and I said, that's a big surprise. I never, never thought you'd speak on Romans 12 anywhere. Um, but he said, it keeps on speaking to me, man. I can't get past it. I can't either. So Romans 12 is a great description of what it means to be a Christian And we all have a long ways to go. And when we all understand that, we can show grace to each other in a better way. So school started back this week. Everybody's pumped about that, I know. (laughs) The worship team got up here to practice this morning. Daly was a little late. Calling you out. Um, Ellie was like two or three minutes late. Daly was like 10. They got up here and they were both singing. And Brian leans over to me. He's like, we need to wake our high school kids up. They look like they're asleep up there. They're up here practicing. And Doug was doing a new song. And I enjoyed that, by the way. Great job, worship team. Um, but they were standing up here, and they looked like they might pass out. And I was like, nah, that's how you know it's the first week of school. We just got it over with. It's a little bit early still, even though it's 1130. Um, we're waking up. We're getting in our routine. So school starting, it's different for teachers and kids, um, and, and the same in some ways. It seems like the closer it gets to it starting, I start kind of getting excited a little bit, but also dreading it in the same sense. I'm like, ah, starting all over again. I'll get these new kids. i got to remember all these names. I got 28th graders and 30 freshmen this year, and I've only known, I only know like five or six of them, like by name. So they've been drilling me hard every time I say one of their names wrong. So I quizzed them the other day, I went around the room, and I was like, I'm gonna get your names this hour. And the first girl told me her name was Lexi. And I went around the room, and I thought this other girl's name was Lexi. I don't know why I thought that. It both started with an L. And I was like, Ugh. and she was like, yeah. I was like, Lexi. And the girl's like, no, that was me. I already told you that was my name. So I was like, I don't have it. I still don't have it yet. We, I gave them a test Friday, and while they were turning it in, I was trying to pay attention. I was like, okay, Chris, okay, that one's, I'm like trying to tie it all together. But as a teacher starting school, we have like a bunch of kids to remember, and if you're in elementary, you got one. If you're in high school, you have eight. So y'all are at an advantage of us, especially if you're coming in. But it's fun for me to watch the eighth graders come in and the freshmen come in. That's like their first year, especially the freshmen in high school. Eighth graders are new to ag because that's the first year they can take it. And they're kind of, they don't know what's, what it's about yet or anything. They think you have to show an animal to be there, and we have to make them understand that's not true. We do other things besides just show animals. Um, and if you don't know that, we do. Some people don't know that. <laughs> but the freshmen come in, and one of the kids, she's a sophomore, so she's old and experienced. She comes in, she's like, there's a freshman in the hall, and they asked me where somebody's room was. And I was like, 
how do you not know that? Was that me last year? I can't believe they don't know this stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you go into a new building, you're not going to know where stuff's at. But they're, they're kind of excited and kind of scared watching the freshmen come in. They're like, I have, my biggest class is my freshmen. And so far, they've been my most well-minded class because they don't know me really, really well yet. Um, so you got to lay down the law early. But they're all fresh and, you know, freshmen. They're all fresh to it, and they're ready to learn. They're trying to figure out what high school is all about. And then I have a class of all juniors and seniors, and they come in like you change one rule. And they're like, it's never been that way. Why are you doing this to us now? Like, you used to let us go out and be in the barn, and now we got to sit in here. And it's just like, yeah, things change. I'm sorry. So um, they get set in their ways. That's what I want to kind of talk about today is us getting set in our ways. Went to that rodeo last night, and uh, if you guys have been around rodeos at all, I know, Max, you know nothing about that, do you? We're, it's an FFA rodeo, so it's 19 and under. It's like these kids are all supposed to be 19 and under. We're sitting around the edge of the stands, kind of by the chutes. They're getting ready. The first event they had was the Saddle Bronx. So we're watching them, our kids, first time Wyatt and Caleb have been to rodeo. So they were pumped. They were all about it. And my niece rode in the pivot team. They set up the flags and did the national anthem thing. And um, You know, it's a high school rodeo, so there's not a big crowd. There's not a big attendance. But there's three kids standing behind these chutes, and they're all smoking cigarettes. Like they got their Wranglers on, their boots on, they look, they're, they look tough, you know? And they're leaned up against the panel and they're like, super cool, you know? And I'm like, this is a high school rodeo. I don't think y'all are old enough to do that yet. Like, if you wanna be a cowboy and take on that persona, that's cool. But we didn't say anything, obviously. Um, that's what I thought. I was like, <laughs> um, calling you out. Are you 18? Show me your ID. Um, but it's just like the persona that takes on, like, whenever you're part of a group, you got to like take on the image of that. And it doesn't matter what you do, there's always going to be something that everyone does. Like we go to a CrossFit, and if you're going to CrossFit, you got to own some kind of Reebok apparel or CrossFit shirt. If you're going to the Wellness Center, you got to wear the Wellness Center's T-shirts. I mean, it's just part of it. Um, you got to get some CrossFit Nano shoes. You know, you got to. It's it's just part of what you do. And any any club or organization you're in, whatever they're about, whatever they're doing, that's what you want to do. And like we find our identity in that stuff. And when we're young, we're trying to figure it out. We haven't found that yet. And that's what it's exciting to me about seeing middle school kids trying to figure that out. It's exciting and it's kind of heartbreaking at the same time because I've been here long enough now and started my seventh year of school that I've known that the kids I'm teaching in high school were in elementary when I moved here. So I've got to see them kind of experience different things and try new things and try sports and try choir and try band. And then they start kind of honing in on what they want to do and you see them kind of make decisions based on where their friends are at or um, you know, what's cool and what's not cool. And it's not really about what their heart and their passion is. It's like, well, yeah, I did that and it was fun, but someone made fun of me, so I stopped doing it. And it breaks your heart because they're not really doing it all the time. It's motivated out of what they want to do. It's motivated around what the world is telling them they should do. So, yeah, there's a depressing note for you today. <laughs> But as you see them grow and, and change, the ones that really shine are the ones that lay that stuff aside and they're flexible and they're willing to you know, try new things out and they'll jump up and volunteer for anything. And then there's some of us like me in high school. Um, I'd, I'd had a few things that I knew I was good at. I was pretty decent at music and I liked showing my heifer. We raised our own show heifer. So I was an FFA and I was in band. I didn't do sports. Um, I was not an athlete. I did not think at all. I'd go to the weight room after school and work out with them. And I was pretty much, I'm not going to brag on myself here, but I am a little bit. I was kind of equally as strong as some of their strong players, and some of them tried to get me to play football. But I was like, no. And really the reason behind that was because I just didn't think I was, would ever be good at that. 
And I heard all the horror stories about how your knees would be terrible when you're old. And I was like, yeah, I'm just not about that. And I never have been. Like, I am competitive, but I'm not. At the same time, like, if I'm doing something, I want to be the best at it. But that's not, yeah, so I'm competitive. <laughs> Thanks, Meredith. But, like, I don't really get wrapped. Like, if someone beats me, I, I, like, I, I, like, Tyler beat me yesterday. We had a contest. And, uh, I wanted to win. But I never have been the guy that's just like, I lost, I'm terrible, I'm going to quit. I hate you because you beat me. Like, I enjoy watching other people do well, too. So, like, that's not competitive. I don't know. I'm a torn man. <laughs> um, the way I want to go, but um, being involved in anything, you want to be whatever the image of that is. That's just human nature. You want to be part of something. You want to be involved in it. Um, you want to kind of find the mold that fits you, and that's where you're going to be. So I'm going to read a passage this morning, and then since in honor of the first week of school, I'm going to do this in a teaching style way. Um, Carson, I think you're the only one from my Wednesday night small group last year that has heard this before, so you can just go to sleep. That's fine. You like to hear that. I did this over the summer with the kids, and uh, or no, it was at the end of the school year. There was an event going on. Bubba and Rachel weren't there. Meredith wasn't there. I had like six middle school and early high school age boys, and I did this little deal with them. So um, it'll be new for y'all, hopefully. But Isaiah 64, verse 8. It says... Um, but now, O Lord, you are the Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. As a kid, you guys remember the song, O Lord, you are the potter, we are the clay. You know, Doug, you remember that hymn. I love that song because it had my name in it. My name's Clay. You guys didn't know that. So that's why I like that song. I was like, yeah, this song's about me. I'm the clay. Literally, I am clay. God is working in me. I love to sing that song. And this verse... It has my name in it, too, so I'm like, that's pretty cool. But as you read this, um, I mean, it means that we're powerless. It means that He is shaping us into who He wants us to be. We have no control over that. So today, um, i got a little demonstration for you. And I robbed this for my kids. They know about it, though, so we're safe. When I was little, I loved playing with Play-Doh. I think most kids do. And it seemed like the Play-Doh toys were even better back then than they are now. I don't know. Things have gotten cheaper made, I think. I remember just bashing stuff and it never broke. Now this stuff's pretty fragile. But anyway, I had a hamburger machine thing with my Play-Doh kit as a kid. And you could make like the buns and the patties and the um, pickles and tomatoes and everything. Like it had a little stamp. And you'd find like, yeah, I'm gonna get red, make a tomato, build my hamburger. And obviously, when you get it done, it looks just like a hamburger, because Play-Doh looks just like a hamburger. You're not going to eat it, because it's Play-Doh, but as a kid, you wanted to try and see. And it just tastes like salty dough, in case you guys are curious. <laughs> I haven't tried it in a while, but um, it does taste like salty dough. But anyway, Play-Doh, if you're a kid and you're playing with this stuff, you can make it into anything. I mean, it's just like clay. You can shape it anything you want. I have a little circle thing the kids use, if I want to push it in there. You know, obviously that's going to make, I did awesome, by the way. That's going to make a circle, and I can take it right out, and I can push it into the square one, and it takes the form of the square. It's like magic, right? Um, I can take my little roller, and I can roll it out, and I can roll it up in my hands, make a little snake with it. And anything, I'm only limited by my own creativity with this clay, or this Play-Doh. And then these little cool things, I never had this as a kid, but to teach kids, Meredith bought this little kit, and... 
you can like have them roll out the color that matches and the shape that matches and they roll it out with their hands and they figure out what shape they want to make. And when they're done, they push it all back in the little thing and put it back in its little can and put the lid back on it. And it's awesome. She even has these little things where they can cut out these hearts with the shapes that we have and make little rainbows and put it on there and everything. And they're creating a picture. They're creating an image with this. And when they're ready to move on to the next thing, they roll it all up and start all over. And that's how being the clay works. Um, who has opened up a can of Play-Doh and it was just super dried out and it was miserable? Like you're like, okay, this is garbage. I cannot mold this into anything, right? Or if you're like me as a kid and you made your little hamburger and you smashed the tomato down the stamp and then you got distracted and started doing something else and then like two weeks later you opened it up and you have a tomato that you can't turn into anything else, right? And then mom tries to salvage it, put some water on it, you know, whatever. It's never really the same once it gets all the way dried out. So I think that's how we approach life a lot of times, except instead of letting God mold us and put us where we need to be, we try out a bunch of different molds. So growing up, you try out a bunch of different things. You know, if you want to try sports, or you want to try choir, or you want to try, you know, academics or whatever approach you want to do, a rodeo. And you try to fit in to that mold the best you can because everyone has an image of what that looks like. And if I'm going to be good, this is what I have to do. If I want to play sports, I got to show up to practice. I got to be the best. I got to go out there and give it all to my team, lay it all in the field. And if that mold works well for me and I'm comfortable at it and it seems like I fit it pretty well, then I'm probably going to stay there because the other ones seem kind of scary. I haven't tried them yet. Or if I have tried them, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I didn't really fit in that one the way I thought I would. So I won't get in that one again. I won't, let it, I won't be rolled out again. You guys hopefully can see the imagery in this. I'm not really talking about being rolled out. But we try new things all the time as growing up. And then in adulthood, we kind of got it figured out, right? We kind of know what our mold is. No, we don't. Yeah. Kids in the room, we, we don't. We're still trying to figure it out. But we're working jobs. This is the job that I have. It's the job that pays my bills. Um, at one time in my life, it seemed like, you know, for us that went to college and, and tried to do it, like I never, as a kid, thought I would be an ag teacher growing up. Like I never like dreamed, yes, ag teacher. But when I got in high school I, and I fell in love with FFA and the show animal part of it and the speech, um, we give speeches, we did leadership stuff, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Um, I didn't start off my college career doing that, though. I started my first year of college being a music um, major at Southeastern, which when I found out you had to take classical music classes, I was like, I'm out. I like, I like to play guitar, and I like a certain kind of music, and classical is not part of that, and I don't want to be in the band. I've been in the band long enough. I don't want to be in there anymore. Um, so I thought I wanted to be like a communications guy, do radio stuff, then I figured out you either had to live in a big city, um, you know, or be broke. <laughs> um, and that was like, uh, I don't know if I want to move around a lot like that. So one of my friends was working at a Mexican restaurant in Hugo, and I was working there with him. We were sitting out on our break, kind of the meeting of the minds. And he's like, you know, it'd be cool if both of us went to school to be ag teachers. We're like halfway through our freshman year of college. I was like, yeah, that would be cool. That was fun. And I told Meredith, and she's like, okay, that came out of nowhere. So I enrolled in Eastern, and I went there, and I liked the classes. And the guy that was dean of ag there was my dad's best friend in high school. They were each other's best men in their weddings. So I had a connection there. I felt like I was part of it. Then I transferred to OSU with kids I'd befriended there and one of my best friends from high school. We went the whole way through. And he taught ag for a few years, and now he's managing a metal company in Idabel because he figured out real quick that teaching ag was fun, but being 
employed by a school and having to be in the classroom all day wasn't his cup of tea. So he's doing something different now. But we change. Different things come into our lives, and it changes our path. And it seems like those little decisions, a little conversation I had with him, you know, they've kind of determined the past several years of my life. And I enjoy what I do now, um, but I never thought as a kid that I would do it. But we try new things as a kid, but when we get older, it seems like we kind of know our, what our interests are. We found out what we want to do, and we're kind of stuck in our mold a lot of the times. And kids get this way too. The juniors and seniors that I have in school, um, most of the time they're not willing to try new things. They kind of know what they're good at, it seems like, or they think they got it figured out, and they want to do what they think they're good at. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just when we get stuck in that mindset of we know what's best for us and we know what mold we fit in, it kind of takes the purpose of being the clay away from it and gives our potter no say in what we're doing. So as we're being, as we're living this life, I talked to Meredith last night, I said I'm not going to chase a lot of rabbits, but I always do. Um, as we're living this life and we're trying these different molds out and different things, realize that sometimes God's going to want to stick you in a mold that you don't think you really fit in. That's just part of life. God's going to throw some stuff at you. Sometimes God may put you in a mold, and He'll leave you there for 30 or 40 years. That's how most people's careers work. Um, he'll leave you there. And then someday, though, I promise you, in your life, whatever mold you've found that works and is comfortable that you fit in is going to change, and you're going to be forced to go into a different mold. And as a kid, like that tomato, if I let Play-Doh in here long enough, it'd be really hard to fit this circle into this square without some really hard work from the potter's hands. Because I can't, as clay, this Play-Doh can't crawl out of this itself. Once it's dried and set up in there, there's no way it's going to move out on its own. It's not going to find a new spot to be because it's, I mean, it's where it is. It's comfortable. It's stuck in there. Everything seems like it works. And like the rodeo last night, people put on that image and they, you know, whatever, whatever you consider to be cool or whatever you want yourself to look like, whatever clothes you wear, we kind of define ourselves by those things. You know, I'm an ag teacher, so I wear boots. So I go to an FFA um, meeting or whatever, and I'm wearing tennis shoes. Everyone's like, what's wrong with you? You're wearing your tennis shoes. And it's just like simple stuff like that that doesn't matter. But in our minds, it seems like it does. Or I'll go, like at state convention last year, we were under a tornado watch. And I went down, I was trying to figure out what was going on with the weather. I had like 20 kids there with us, just trying to figure out what we needed to do, if we needed to drive home that night, because we were, if we needed to stay there for a while. And I got in this group of ag teachers that were kind of doing the same thing, and they're all talking about show pigs. And if you guys have never been in a group of grown men, like 40 to 60 years old, talk about show pigs, you're missing out. <laughs> I promise. Because they will teach you everything you need to know. And if you're the young guy in the group, your opinion is probably not going to matter a whole lot. Um, but we get set in there. Like we get in our, our group, our little routine, our little circle of friends. And once we find a comfortable spot, a lot of times we're not willing to step up, step out, and really you know, experience what, who God wants us to be. We're like, I figured out who I want, who I want to be. Well, I'm going to go to another verse now. Seems like a good time to do that. Jeremiah 18. On a very... Related note, chapter, or verse 1, chapter 18 of Jeremiah. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to do. Then the, the word of the Lord came to me, a house of, of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, 
O house of Israel. And it goes on to say that God can, um, can tear us down. He can destroy the work that He's creating in us to build it new. Me, like if I own this Play-Doh and it dries out, I'm not God. I'm going to go to Walmart and buy another can, right? That's not how He works in us. When we are His creation and we have given ourselves to Him, He will do whatever it takes to make us realize that we're still the clay. Because a lot of times, like with that hamburger, um, it's easy to, easy to deceive a kid. My aunt, she had one of those fake bowls of apples on um, a little buffet table in her house. As a kid, I didn't realize that people made fake apples. Like, that it seems like a strange thing to do. Um, so I was walking by, and I picked it up, and it was heavy. So at home, if there was apples laying out, I could just take a bite into it. My mom had always rinsed them off and set them out so we could just, you know, drop by and eat them. So I tried to take a bite of that apple. Obviously, a wooden painted apple was not very pleasant to my teeth. It deceived me. It was a block of wood posing as an apple. It wasn't really an apple. We're clay. God's told us that. We're the work of His hands. So when we get stuck in a mold, even though we can be the shape of a square or the shape of a circle, or someone can take these little Play-Doh scissors that look very efficient and slice us, at the end of the day, we're still clay. Our potter can still work us. No matter how our day has been, no matter what molds we've had to fit into, um, we're not what that mold is. That hamburger that deceived me is a kid with Play-Doh. I mean, it didn't really deceive me. I made it, and I had to try it out of curiosity. But as much as it looks like a hamburger, when I get done with my little hamburger-making Play-Doh machine, it's not a hamburger. And as much as we find identity in this world through things that we you know, think are cool or think are fun or interests that we have, we will never be just those things. Whatever mold we found that works for us, we're way more than that. God can pull you out of any situation and make you brand new. He can make you fit into anything that He has purpose for you, and He has a purpose for you. So whenever we get stuck and it seems like there's nowhere to go, don't get wrapped up and going, I've always been a square. I don't know why I picked the square up. That's even more fun. That's funny. I've always been a square. Um, how am I going to be a cool circle? I've always been a square. I've never been, I've never been you know, the serious guy or the funny guy. And even like outside of what we do or outside of the you know, organizations we're part of or teams we're part of, um, we always still find something personality-wise that works for us. Some of us are the funny guy. Some are the serious type. Some are the loners that kind of find their way to the corner when you're in a crowd. Some are the people that have to be up front all the time. They're loud and they're in your face. And whatever it is, it seems like people are way different in those senses. Like, it seems like the funny guy and the serious guy can never be friends. But I meet with a group every, every week, Tuesday morning, and it's a job-wise and probably background-wise, we're a pretty diverse group of people and what our interests are, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. But when we sit down and we really open up with each other and share our stories with one another, um, we're all kind of being motivated by the same things. You know, either shame or, you know, we're motivated by just wanting to do good or, you know, wanting to not fail. And those big themes really fit every single individual person's life, whether we realize it or not. The, the loner that's in the back of the room, you know, maybe one day somebody told them they shouldn't be in the front. And the one that's in the front, somebody told them that they should. They're both being motivated by the world around them, but it, the way it looks is too, like two completely different things. We react and respond to the world differently, but it's always because we're reacting and responding to the world. And if we're doing that and we get stuck in the mold that fits, we're not really letting the potter work in our lives. 
So I'm actually going to wrap up before noon today. <laughs> um, it's strange for me. That's good. Uh, I've been trying to do that every time I speak. It seems like I just keep on going on a rant. Um, so here's a three-point sermon for the day. I actually wrote three-point sermon, but I put PT and put a dot because I was too lazy to write point out. Um, with this Play-Doh illustration, I hope you guys can see how much God can work in your life. If I open up that can of Play-Doh, it's literally whatever, you know, me being the potter at that time, whatever I'm thinking at the time, I can make that into the shape that I want it to be. But at any time, if I see that it needs to be repurposed to something else, and there's a new avenue opened up that I really need it to be in, I can also change that. We're people. We have free will. We can resist God working in our lives. But when we open ourselves up and let Him work in us, He's going to put us in some uncomfortable places. So here's my three points. Point one, be fresh. Like the Play-Doh, be fresh. And what I mean by that is when I get done with Play-Doh, if I'm a good steward of my Play-Doh, and I get done with it, I'm going to put it back in the can and make sure the lid seals up. Because the next time I open it up, I want to be able to work it again, right? If I leave it out and let it dry out, then it's not going to be able to work. So get rest. Get sleep. Spend time alone with God. Don't, you know, wear yourself so thin and spread yourself out so much that you're just worn out and you have nothing else to give. Get rest. Point one, be fresh. Point two, be flexible. Like with the Play-Doh, if it's not flexible and I can't put it in the mold that I need it to be in, then I can't use it. If we're not willing to go where God moves us, even in the uncomfortable places, even if we've been a square our whole lives and He's trying to cram us in the circle, um, if I'm not flexible enough for Him to push me in there, I can't be used by Him. Point three, Meredith had to remind me of this this morning because I made these points up last night. Um, I tried to stick with the F thing because I had it going on. Be fresh, be flexible, and be free. God's grace is sufficient for you. If you've found a mold that works for you, um, but you want to try a new mold, be free to try it. Or be free to stay in the one you're at until He moves you. Don't think you have to try everything that this world has to offer. You're free to live a life away from all the sin that this world has. You're also, uh, be free to move around. Be free to be made new. Like we read in Jeremiah, that potter said that the clay had spoiled. But did the, did the potter toss it out? No, he didn't toss it out. Um, he broke it back down to the original clay block, and he started making it new. We don't know what our finished product's going to look like. I mean, we won't know that until we're with Him. So if we're alive in this room right now, if we're alive in this world right now, we are being created into what God wants us to be. When we offer ourselves to Him and let Him be the potter in our lives, He's going to move us into places we never thought we'd be before. And that's going to look like nothing we've ever seen before. And if we're resistant to that and we think that we've figured out this life, then we're never going to be able to be worked by God. So my three points, be fresh, get rested up, know who God is, spend time with Him, be flexible to move where God wants you to be, and be free to be remodeled, to be made new by Him. That's all i got today. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, Mark will be here September 2nd. I'll be back next week, and uh, I will not bring Play-Doh. I may bring something else. I don't know. <laughs> Lord, we come today just thanking you for this day you've given us. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that even though it's thousands of years old, God, that you are timeless. God, you operate outside of it because you made it. And even though we can never understand the mystery of that here in this world, God, we see the reality of it by reading 
these words, God, that are thousands of years old that still are so applicable to today and to us. And God, as we live our lives and we think that we've found where we need to be, let us realize that our identity cannot come from any part of this world because you've made us, um, you've created us only for relationship with you. And God, as we live this life and we work our jobs, let us do that to the best of our ability because wherever you've put us, God, whether we're um, happy or content there, um, it's irrelevant, God, because our job is to show people who you are. God, and we have to find our joy in you, not in this world. God, let us be like the clay. Let us be molded and uh, allowed to be broken down and made new by you. God, never let us be content in who this world wants us to be. Always let us strive to be the creation that you've made us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you all. Y'all have a good week.